Good morning. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. It's day 391, and we're on 1 Samuel 18. Well, then why, Jason, do you have the wrong days up there? Well, you know, i got to change these things every day, and sometimes I just forget. So let's fix that real quick. Day 391 and 1 Samuel chapter 18. And uh, I try to make these as live as possible, so I leave mistakes in, and I don't really start over again. One take, beginning to end. It's as close to live as it can be even though I do pre-record these. All right, let's uh, pray and ask the Lord's help as we get into 1 Samuel chapter 18 today. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Father, please write your word on our hearts today. Please help us to follow after you in faith and obedience and love. Help us to see Jesus and to follow him clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. David and Jonathan, 1 Samuel chapter 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul... The son of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as he loved his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul sent, set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, And he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had a spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a counselor, a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Mirab. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And David said to Saul, Who am I? And who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite, for a wife. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David. And they told Saul, 
and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, Let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the head of the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, Speak to David in private and say, Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then, become the king's son-in-law. And David's servant spoke these words in the ear of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, Thus and so did David speak. Then David said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went, along with his men, and killed two hundred of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michael for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commander of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. That's 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now yesterday we went a little bit long in our devotional in 1 Samuel 17, so I'm going to try to keep this brief today. What we're clearly seeing here is David rising and Saul falling. And there's a helpful chart that's in the ESV study Bible, and I've copied it here for us to take a look at. And it shows us how this is what's unfolding here in 1 Samuel. And there are many parallels between this. The Holy Spirit has been removed from Saul, and an evil spirit has come. We saw this evil spirit come today. But David has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Saul acts in a very jealous way and is very treacherous. But David is a faithful friend. Saul attempts to kill David tries to pin him to the wall, and later he hunts him down. Whereas David twice protects Saul's life when he could have taken it. Saul is a failed holy warrior, where David is a mighty holy warrior. The kingdom is being torn away from Saul, but the kingdom has been promised to David forever. Again, this chart is right out of the ESV study Bible, and I just thought it was helpful to see how things are unfolding here in 1 Samuel. But it's very clear here in chapter 18. Now, I do have to deal with something at the beginning of chapter 18 that's unfortunate that I have to deal with it in this way because of the culture that we live in. Our culture no longer understands why two men might love each other deeply and commit themselves to each other without it being a homosexual relationship. So many liberal Bible scholars and many modern people have said, oh, well, see, David and Jonathan, they were, they were homosexuals and they were in a homosexual relationship with each other. That's just absurd. That is totally uh, antithetical to 
the law of Moses to the standards of the culture of the day. Uh, if that had been the case, David would not have been celebrated. It certainly would not be openly reported in this way. This is rather a strong bond of love between two godly men who love each other and who have a deep and abiding and committed friendship with each other. Our culture has gotten very distorted in that it takes all expressions of love and tries to sexualize them and make them into some sort of romantic thing as though there's only one kind of love. But God has created us to love him and to love others. And there are many types of powerful love and, and close male friendship, male bonding of this kind should be something that is celebrated and honored among God's people. And too often it's just not. And that's sad to see that. But I believe this opening scene right here is taking place right as soon as David has killed Goliath and the Philistines are fleeing and David needs to pursue. He's, he's, he, he's, he's now the champion of this army because he's killed Goliath. He needs to pursue after, but he still doesn't have any real armor or sword. And he could go out and kill Goliath just in his regular cloth clothing and with a, with a staff and with the sling. But if he's going to actually go and pursue an army in battle, he needs armor. And so Jonathan takes off all of his uh, gear that he's wearing for battle. You know, he's dressed as a soldier for battle and, and he gives it to David because David needs it. And David goes out. And, and I believe that's when this happens because verse 6 says, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine. So I think this happens as they're going out to chase down the Philistines. So as they're coming home, when David returns, they had this great victory that we read about at the end of chapter 17. And the women come out and they sing, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. This was an overwhelming victory for the people of God. It was their biggest victory they had ever seen against the Philistines. They pushed them right into their walled cities. They'd never had such an overwhelming victory before. And so while Saul had led them to some good victories over the Philistines, Saul had killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Now Saul's upset, and one thing we need to see here is that in the ancient world, you became king by being the most mighty warrior and by leading your people in, victor in victory in battle. The kings were warrior kings. And so if David's a better warrior and he leads the people to a better victory, Saul is immediately culturally appropriately feeling threatened by the fact that David might just be given the kingship. And so he feels threatened because he's insecure and he doesn't trust the Lord. And so he goes so far as to try to pin David to the wall with the spear, but David escapes because the Lord is with him. Verse 14 says it very well. David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Saul's always been gripped by the fear of man, and now he's afraid of David. He's afraid with a fear that doesn't respect and honor David, but he's afraid of David, and he wants to try to find some way to get rid of this guy. And the best scheme he comes up with is to arrange to invite David to marry his daughter. And here's what we need to understand, that that earlier promise we saw in chapter 17, that the king would give his daughter's hand in marriage to whoever kills Goliath, well, that comes with, with some strings attached. Because 
it would be unheard of for the king's daughter to enter into marriage with a man without there being a very substantial bride price. You see, this is a very politically advantageous marriage to the most prominent family in Israel, and so you better pay up. There's a bride price. David is very uncomfortable when he's offered the opportunity to become son-in-law to the king because he knows he's a poor man and he can't possibly pay any bride price that would be appropriate for the daughter of a king. And you just don't go into that. You just don't go into that. And it may, may seem unclear at first, but when the bride price is named and it's a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, David immediately, in verse 25, it's Saul thought to make David fall by this, but verse 26, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law because he said, if that's the bride price, I can pay that. And he takes his men out and they go and they kill 200 of the Philistines. So he doubles the bride price and brings the foreskin and David and Saul is again distressed because he thought for sure this was going to get rid of David. And so Saul makes himself David's enemy continually. Now we have many Psalms that David writes that come out of this next period in David's life where he's being chased by Saul. He's hiding in the cave from Saul. He's being chased down by the armies of Israel because what David shows in this immediate next few chapters in his life is that even though he's being pursued by a powerful enemy who wants to take his life, he will trust in the Lord. He has real confidence because it's not a self-confidence. It's a confident hope and expectation in the Lord. That's something that Saul has never had. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we putting our hope and our confidence? What is our measure of success? You see, David didn't want to measure success by worldly standards. He was a poor man, a man of no reputation. Does that sound familiar? A poor man, a man of no reputation? Sounds like Jesus. That's why David is such a powerful foreshadowing of Christ uh, in, his, in his better moments and in key times in his life. We need to count success as being faithful to God and we need to have confidence in the Lord that he will grant us that by his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior, our champion, our captain, our Lord. Thank you that in him we can have true success, success of being kept faithful to you, kept in the faith by your grace and to your glory. And we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel 18. Mike is going to be back with us tomorrow, and that means we're going back to the Gospel of Mark. Hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.